Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. Um, today we have Coach um, Linson with us today. Coach Linson is the um, special teams coordinator at Noble High School in Southern Maine. Uh, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thank I'm you doing, for having me. Uh, no problem, Coach. I, I'm, I'm doing well. I can't complain. It's it's another dreary day here in Ohio, I, but I can't complain too much. You're up there in Maine where it gets a lot colder than here for a lot longer. That's right. That's right. Yep. I, I always joke our state doesn't really, outside of Cleveland, doesn't have consistent snow, and you guys get stuck with it for about seven months of the year, so... Yeah, come up. Come up and see what it's like <laughs> one of these days, all right? Uh, it, it, well, <laughs> when COVID restrictions are over, gladly. I, I mean, I'd love to visit visit you and in, in University of Maine as well. And, um, Absolutely. Speaking of University of Maine, and I, I like cheap segues, so I thank you for that, Um Kind of what what let's how did you get to Noble? What was your kind of background? Obviously, you have main football on the screen, so some people can kind of infer what they will from there. So, what is your background? Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm super pumped and excited to be here right now. Um, so, I graduated from Natick High School in 2013. It's in Massachusetts, where I grew up, and then I was lucky enough I deserved a scholarship to to play football at the University of Maine. And I was able to go on there as a, as a punter and kicker from 2013 to 2018. Um, I didn't have the, the college career that I, I dreamed of. Unfortunately, you know, things happen, injuries happen. And, uh, you know, you grow from them, you learn from them. I, I tore my rectus femoris, my quad, uh, during a kickoff on my sophomore year and, and was out for nine and a half months which, uh, you know, it, it's something that's tough, something that, that, that no one plans for, but you have to overcome mentally and physically. And I was lucky enough to have great teammates, great coaches to, to support me and help me through that. And I became a better leader, real student of the game from that. And then I graduated in 2018 with a, an undergrad degree to teach physical education. And then I, I actually took the summer. I went to Israel and did some, some coaching clinics over there on special awesome. teams. So that was really awesome to kind of bring the game from – from America over over there to kind of educate and help them. And then I came back and I was a special teams quality control coach when I was getting my master's at the University of Maine uh, for the 2019 football season, which was which was awesome. What a, what a cool experience at 25 to, to own my own room and to work with the kickers, punters, long snappers, and to help them get better on a daily basis was, was something really, really cool. And I'm very, very fortunate to have. And then uh, from there, I was able to, to graduate with my master's in 2020. Um, which was, which was awesome. And then I was able to get a job at Noble Middle School as a physical education teacher and also as the Noble Varsity Special Teams Coordinator. So that, that brings me to where we are today. Well, one, one the, the overseas stuff is awesome, Coach, because I've been able to talk to some guys like in various parts of Europe or the United Kingdom um, 
during this unfortunate COVID experience, but it's allowed us to spread the game more over there and help them out as we need. I know there's a series of clinics done for Australian coaches. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Anytime we can spread our game and meet more good people. Um, and then kind of get into what we're talking about today. Again, obviously you did a variety of different kicking duties at um, Maine, but one of the, and kind of as people who are maybe viewing this instead of just listening to this, um, is I wanted to pick your brain about punting because as, as I've said, it's been the bane of my existence for the past two years. Um, and we've not been very good at it. I think, I, I don't know what, I, I haven't broke down our net putting yet, which I, I tried to look up. I think our punters pre-net average around 30 yards of punt, which is appalling. Um, the year before we didn't do much better. It was like 34, 35. Yeah. Um, like it, it, I don't blame our kids by any means. It's on me for not coaching it better and our and us kind of getting that process a little bit better. Um, and so yeah, so that's kind of where I wanted to pick your brain on that. And um, thankfully, you brought part of a presentation you did while you were at Maine for the. Who was it for? Was it the Massachusetts coaches or the Maine coach? Remind so me. It was the Maine Maine high school football coaches. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, we so, can... no, and this and this is a broken down. It'll go step by step. We'll talk about, uh, you know, the mechanics and the thing about punting. It's like golfing. If you're a little bit off, it's going to affect the punt drastically. So it's it's very technical. Uh, it takes a lot of drills to get really good at it. But the, hopefully, we're able to break this down uh, in ways that everyone can understand, and and therefore we could take this and give it to our punters and and help them, uh, you know, improve and get better. Uh, that, that sounds great, Coach. So, how about we how about we just jump straight into this, and then we can and I can kind of pick your brain from there if I have any questions. Um, and then at the end, at the end, like normal, um, I said we'll kind of wrap this up at the end and have a little chit chat afterwards. So let, let's 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 deep dive into it, and I look forward to hearing some more about punting, Coach. Absolutely, let's get after it. All right, so like I said, this is a PowerPoint presentation I put together for the Maine high school football coaches. And something that we talked about at Maine a lot was keeping a championship mentality. So how can this group, and when I mean this group, I specifically talking about the punters, kickers, but this can go for quarterbacks, linemen, any position on the field, how do you win the day? All right, and, and the way that we broke it down at Maine was it's not just on the field. It's not just during practice. That's not how you win the, win the, win the day. It's in the classroom. So whether you're high school or, or, or college, it's getting in the classroom, making sure your grades are right, sleeping well and eating right. These are all things that can help you win the day and help you prepare to be successful on Friday night or Saturday, whenever your game is. And then one thing we always talk about, one thing I preach, whether it's when I was my time at Maine or with the Noble team is mental success equals on-field success. Right. You got to be able to visually prepare and get ready for, for the game. So when you already, when you step on that field, you've already played the game in your head, you know, exactly how it's going to go and you've already been out there. Therefore you, you know, what's about to happen. So with kicking and punting, long snapping with specialists, you can never be high never be too high and never be too low. All right. So if you go out there and you hit a, hit a 45 yard punt, when you go up to the sideline, you got to stay super even keeled, right? If you get too high, you hit a great punt, you have to go back out there. You never know what's going to happen. You got to stay right in the middle. You got to stay consistent. Consistency is the, is, is the name of the game. This is a luck is when preparation meets opportunity is actually a quote that my father taught me at a very young age. And it's pretty much saying that, that what the, when you're on the field, it's not luck 
that comes out. You've prepared for this moment. You've worked hard for this moment. People in the stands, they might say that it's luck that you hit a great punt, that you hit, that you made a field goal. It's something that you prepared for for a while. You put the time in, mental, physical, everything about it. You, you put the time in to be successful at that moment. So that's something that I, I share with my guys and I, I continue to take with me uh, to this day. Well, so. Coach, that, that reminds me of something that my fir- the first head coach I worked for said – and it was a, a goal without a plan is a dream. And, and it, obviously the kind of moral behind that is if, if you don't ever put the work in, prepare kind of like this states, it, it's just it's, – it's not going to happen. Like it's just going to be a fantasy for the rest of your life. So, I mean, I, I think it's great. And um, those are the kind of – I think most people who will watch or listen to this kind of understand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think it's really important for high school. And, and if you if you're in the college athletics, you, you know this, that it just doesn't happen. Right. It doesn't you don't step on the field. And that's not you know, it's, it's it's putting time in, in studying. It's with your grades. It's, it's everything that goes into it, which is going to allow, allow you and enable you to be successful on that field. Um, so that's that that's something that's that's a that's a great quote uh, as well. So that's that, that was awesome. So, well, with punting. You will, everything's got to start with the stance, all right? When you go back there, you have to be in an athletic stance. Personally, when I was a punter, I always had, and also coach, one thing I should say, I'm going to address this to, as if every punter was a righty, all right? So if this is a, if your punter or your kicker is a lefty, then everything is just opposite and flip back. All right. I just wanted to double check just to make sure, uh, because I'm going to talk like it's, it's a right-handed or right-footed punter. So you want to start an athletic stance. In high school and college, you never know where their snap's going to be, right? In college, we like to think it's a little more consistent. In high school, you never know. So you need to be in an athletic stance prepared to move no matter where the snap is. you got to be an athlete back there. You have to be an athlete. So I always start with my left foot in front. My right foot's a little behind. It's just an athletic stance where I feel like I can move. And uh, it, whether it's the, uh, the snaps to your chest or to the side, I'm able to get it and uh, start my punt. So... The, the grip, I actually brought a football with me to show, to show the grip. So the grip that I teach is the handshake grip. Yeah. And the way, that I, the way that I teach that is pretend you're shaking someone's hand. All right? Pretend you're shaking someone's hand. I've seen grips that are hold on top of the ball. I've seen grips that hold underneath the ball, right to the side of the ball like this. The grip that I teach is just a handshake grip. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shake the ball's hand. So it's going to look, my thumb is going to be on this line right here. Right? And my pinky is going to end up being on this line right here. I don't want to have the ball deep in my palm. And I, I want to have the ball kind of on the tip of my fingers, right? But I have control of it. It's not, it's not falling right now. But you don't want to have it deep in your hand because later in the punt, you're going to have to give that ball a little love push. And you're, you're not, you want to have the ability to just let it go. So not really deep in your hand. Something that is also really, really important is you want to hold the ball at 11 o'clock. So you want to picture that there's a clock right here. So if I do, you know, if I hold the ball right here, that's not 11 o'clock. But if I go right over here at 11 o'clock, when I go to drop that ball, this is going to expose the sweet spot of the ball. And if the punter's toe is pointed and it makes contact at 11 o'clock, the ball should fly out and you want to have a turnover ball. You got any questions about no, uh, you know, the stand, I, I, the grip, and how it starts? No, um... I, I mean, I kind of seen like two or three different grips. I, I know everybody that teaches kind of has their own little opinion on why that one's the best or not. Um, 
and I'm assuming you'll get to the drop here in a second, so I'll kind yep. of hold off on that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and look, I've seen punters do everything, and, and it's all about what's comfortable for them. I teach a handshake grip. I use the handshake grip. Uh, but, it, you know, the hardest thing is if, you have, if you're overhand, if you're holding it overhand, it's really hard to push the ball out to make contact with your foot and get that consistency every time. That's why I teach a handshake grip, but it's really whatever the punter's preference is. And if they can hit it consistently every time, can't argue with that. So with our steps, once you've caught the ball, you want to obviously get the ball out on the drop table. We're going to talk about the drop table in the next slide, so I'll, I'll hold back on that. You want to take your first step with your kicking foot. Now, when I played, I had a little shuffle. I didn't like being totally frozen when I caught the ball. I wanted to kind of be moving, so I did a little shuffle. But you want to take your first step with your kicking foot. It's just a jab step. It's not a full length step, but it's something to kind of get your momentum under you and kind of get moving. It should be no more than a yard, right? When you're taking your steps, you don't want to take really huge steps. You don't want to take really small steps. You want to take normal steps, like you weren't punting a ball, right? When you're, if you're able to take, if you're taking really long steps and you're going to end up lunging to the ball, a lot of things potentially could go wrong. So uh, normal steps too when when you uh, are trying to punt the ball. But with your first step, it's a quick little jab step. After your jab, your jab step, you are going to move directly into your second step. With your second step, it's going to cover more ground than the first step. And also, when you're taking your second step, your left hand, because I'm talking about a right punter, your left hand is simultaneously going to come off the ball while you're taking the second step. So when you catch the ball from the snap, you put it on the drop table. We're going to get to it next slide. Put it right on the drop table. And then with your first step, your left hand is going to stay on. And then with your second, while you're taking your second step, simultaneously removing that left hand. All right. With the drop table and release, the balls should be placed over the punter's leg. So when, you know, if you watch this, uh, you see this handsome fellow right here. This is actually me. I use that, use a little picture. But when you, when you catch the ball, you want to put it right over your right foot. Right, right over your right leg, because that's where that's where you want to make contact with the ball on the right leg. If we move it to the middle of our body, we might make contact in the middle. This is super important, and this is where I see a lot of young high school uh, punters potentially. Uh, you know, if, if if they catch the ball, they put it on the drop table, they move it up down. They're not going to get a consistent hit on the ball every time. When you catch that snap. You put that right on belly button height, right? So the, when you catch the ball, should be placed right over your leg at belly button height. You want to imagine that there's a glass table above the ball and below the ball. You want to keep it sliding on that glass table, right? Because if you move it out here, you're going to have to move it back. And we want a minimal amount of movement. And we want to keep it super straight. So remember, glass table, we don't want to break the table. I see a lot of young high school punters catch the ball, go up, go back down for it. You want to catch it, put it on that glass table, and slide that. Something that's also super important is that your right arm is not as long as your right leg. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to give the ball a little love push to get out there. Now, when you catch the ball and you're dropping, I'm trying to see it so the video's here. Notice how my elbow is not totally straight. It should be have a little bend to it. So when you give it a love push, it should just be this. Something small, 
but something that you're able to get the ball out in a consistent position on your foot to hit the ball. I think the glass table is super important. Do you see that a lot with young punters? Uh, being erratic, yes. I mean, and that, that's something we kind of talked to our guys this year is someone would want to push that out too far, wouldn't bring their arm out far enough. Um, some would just be severely erratic in how they dropped. Um, we, what we saw, I mean, one of our biggest problems probably when we dropped was the angle of the drop. The ball wouldn't go straight down. A lot of times it would be like very nose heavy down. It's something yep. we kind of dealt with heavily this year that we kind of kept working on fixing. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end, I had some drills too. But it, one drill that's super important is just doing your drops, yeah. which you could do in your in your house, outside, anything. But it's super easy to tell when you have a good drop and when the drop is not good, right? Because if you drop the ball with the nose down, the ball is going to bounce back to you. Yeah. If you bounce, if you drop the ball with the nose up, it's going to bounce forward. You want to drop the ball, really, you want to drop the ball straight down and straight up. Yeah. So it's the punter's job just to simulate a snap in their house or wherever you want to do it. Get the ball on the glass table, take your first step, your second step, your arm comes off, and then you're able to drop the ball, hopefully seeing it come down and bounce straight back up, especially with high school punters. Yeah. Um, that drill is, is super, super important. So ball contact, it, it's all about ball contact. If you don't hit, hit the ball on, on the right part of your foot, the, the, the punt is not going to go as far as long or get the most hang time as you want. Like I talked about, the ball, if the ball is at 11 o'clock, you are going to try to hit the belly of the ball. And if, the toes, if your toe is pointed, something that a lot of young punters do is they point their toe straight up. <laughs> if you yes. point your toe straight up, where, where's your surface area yeah. on that, right? You're not gonna be able to hit it, hit it cleanly. So you want to have your point, your toe point is straight out, and at 11 o'clock it should hit the belly of the ball, and then you wanna you wanna drive your leg through. It's amazing how many times I say lock out your ankle when we do um, punting because I, I can tell just based on either it might sound or how the ball is kicked that his toe is still straight up, and it's just like, well. That's not where you're supposed to hit the ball, and that's you're not giving yourself surface area. So yeah, I, I trust me. That is a that is a fact we deal with constantly. Constant. It's it, it, it's a hard thing to learn too. It's it's a really hard thing to learn. And you think when you say point your toe straight, a lot of people point it up. Yeah. And and you're not going to do yourself any any favors if you're pointing your your toe straight up. So make sure you keep that thing straight. If the ball is able to land right on your foot, you're able to make solid contact and go right up and through. One thing with a follow-through, and, and this is something that, that, that we deal with at, at Noble, at, at Maine, is that when you're punting the ball, if, if you're, let's say baseball, right? If you're at the plate and you have a bat and you swing, when you make contact with the ball, you're not just going to stop swinging, right? It doesn't, you're, you're not, you're not going to do that. Or let's say you're golfing, right? You're on, you're on the driving range and you make contact with the ball. You don't just stop your swing there. Same thing with punting and kicking. You want to follow through right up. And one thing that I find with a lot of young punters is that they see in the NFL and they see in college is that these guys, you know, really when they make contact with the ball, their foot comes way off the ground. Everyone's going straight up in the air. As you can see, this was our punter last year. He did a really good job. When you make contact with the ball, you want to drive through. So I want to see you go forward. I don't want to see you go up, especially as a young punter. If you're trained to go up and jump up, 
your hang time might be good, but your distance is going to suffer with that. So you want to drive the ball forward. If you're able to drive through the ball, you're going to get distance. And with that, hang time will come. But you want to drive the ball forward and not up. And then I, I just wanted to talk about different game situations, especially. I don't know how the weather is in Ohio, but in, in Maine, you know, there's there's all different weather that, that we play with. So if the if the wind's against you, and if you have a stiff wind coming at you, you just have to adjust your drop table. Because like we talked about with that love push, the ball is out of out, out of your hand. Right? So the wind could could potentially affect your drop and how, how the ball hits your foot. So if you're able to lower that drop table, Therefore, it lowers the time that the ball is in the air, so you're able to hit the ball. Now, potentially, if you drop the ball lower, you're going to have less hang time. But in the wind, you're, you just want to have the ball uh, hit cleanly and caught and hopefully have a turnover. If you have a turnover ball, it's not gonna, it hopefully won't affect it too much. And it's actually easier, fun fact, to turn a ball over. Uh, turn a ball over, I mean just up and then turned around. It's actually easier to hit it against the wind if the wind's coming at you. So, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're trying to add hang time, same thing, like what I just talked about, if the wind's coming at you, you lower the drop table. If you want to add hang time, you hire, you, you hire the drop table. Therefore you make contact with the ball higher and it'll go higher in the air. Um, like we, like we say right here, turning the ball over, it's going to ensure the longest hang time, longest distance, a little bit of flutter will add hang time. Something that we, we both talked about, which is, really crucial with, with with high school punters and allowing your coverage team to go down there and, and make a play on the ball. So some drills that, that, that we talked about, and this is the one of the most important drills that a punter can do is doing their drops, going out there and doing, I used to, after school, I used to do a hundred drops a day when it wasn't the, when it wasn't uh, football season, just to stay ready and stay loose. Uh, but you're, you want to have your line drills. So you, maybe if you walk along a line and you're able to drop the ball right along your foot, you line your right foot up to the, to the line. Therefore, you know you're dropping it. Starting with one-step drills. So starting, it's simulating the last step of your punt. So starting with your right foot in front and then taking one step and hitting the ball, it really works on good ball contact. And it's also super important that you follow through with that, not up through and then not up. The explosion drill is just a dry, dry step with uh, your legs. So pretty much dry kicking, for example, is what I meant to say right there, is, is, is going through your whole motion but without a ball. Right? So you're able to work on your explosion and, and finishing down the field. Something that my old punting coach used to tell me, tell me is small, tall, drive the ball, a little rhyming action for you on the, on the kick and cover podcast. But uh, you want a small steps. And you want to stay tall. You don't want to be hunched over. And then you want to drive the ball forward, not up. Drive the ball forward, not up. So I just wanted to put it all together, kind of wrap this up. One question I get asked a lot is, is what is the most important thing a high school athlete, and we'll say kicker, punter included with that, what can they do? And it's stretching every day. I tell my guys, whether I was at Maine or at Noble, never, if you're watching TV, playing Xbox, whatever you're doing, never sit on the couch. Always sit on the ground. Always be stretching. Always take a tennis ball. Always take a lacrosse ball. You know, put it in, in areas where you can get, get more flexible um, because really with, with punting, it all comes down to your flexibility. If you're not flexible, you won't be able to extend your leg through the ball. 
Um, high school kickers and punters don't need to kick every day. Same thing with with professional uh, pitchers. You know, they're not out there throwing every day. If you, if you're if you're doing that, you're just gonna wear your leg down two times, right? Two times full. So how, how they many, don't need how to. How many days a week do you recommend punting? Punting. Uh, I would say two times a week. Okay. I would say two times a week, but it's also super important that you know. Let's say your game's Friday, right? Yeah. Let's say your game's Friday, and I understand you know head coaches want things done in a, in, a, in a certain way, but I I would be punting on Tuesday would be a more of a heavy day where you hit maybe twenty punts, and that's really really super important to go out there with a plan with a purpose. So with charting your kicks, going out there saying I'm taking five from the left left hash five from the middle, five from the right, and then, you know, five, three, wherever you want to take them. But it's super important to stick with that because if not, you're just going to keep punting, 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 punting. Yeah. It's going to add up and it's going to be taxing on your leg. On Thursday, I would say even less than that and taking 10. Now, I'm not saying that they can't do drills every day. They right. could do drills. They could do dry dry kicks, yeah. and they can they could do drops. But when, when you punt every single day, especially in during a game, if you're just talking, if you just have a punt, like, for example, when I was in high school, I never sat down and I was, I was just a kicker punter. Uh, I would be kicking in the kicking net constantly. I wish I can go back and not do that because <laughs> I want my leg fresh for the game. I wish I could. I really do. Uh, it didn't honestly fun, fun story. It didn't hit me until my freshman year of college when I was at, we were at Northwestern for one of our first games. And I was just punting. And I wasn't even – I was redshirting. I was just punting into the net, punting into the net. One of the kickers just came up to me. He's like, you got to sit down. You got you to gotta relax. You got to hang out. Um, because if you're doing that, you're going to really, really tire your leg out. So drills now, are super important to be successful, like I said. That, build off that real quick, Coach. What yeah, about, yeah. What about pre, pre-game, too? How many do you suggest each kind of get into? Because that's, that's always my question is like, What's too much? What's too little? That's a conversation I have with my head coach all the time is what is that right balance? For sure. Absolutely. And, and one thing that we did at Maine is that we had our, our kickers and our kicker specifically would go out there and he would chart our, his kick. So he knew his first kick would be 20 from left hash, 20 middle, 20 right hash. He would take total of 15, 20, even if potentially he didn't make his last kick, that would be it. Because it's important, like I said, to be fresh. So before a game, you know, 20 kicks for, for field goal. And then it's with with punting, it's important to go out there, get your your one steps, your no step punts in. And then you're taking, you know, 10 maybe from one side, 10, you flip sides, then maybe you're against the wind, you take 10 more. But it's it's really a balance in, in going out there with a plan and knowing that plan and executing it. Okay. What I what I see a lot from a lot of younger kids, younger guys that are any, any kickers, punters that, that are out there, is that they go out there before a game and they want to see that ball go through the upright. Obviously, you do, right? Yeah. But what they could, what they end up doing is, potentially, if they miss a kick, they'll, have, they'll redo that kick from that spot. Then you're adding 5, 10, 15 extra kicks to your, your, your repertoire, which is just going to tire your leg out in the end. Mm. Mental reps is super, super important. So if you're able just to get out there, go through dry kicks, so dry kicks without a ball, but taking your steps back, visualizing what's happening. If you're able to go through that, I think that's super, super important. Um, So going out there with a plan, knowing how many you're taking in that 15 to 25 potentially uh, realm. Did that answer your question right there? Oh, yeah, 100%. Cool, cool. So, and again, this is really, this is something that isn't really specific for kickers here is that 
when you go out there, you, you want to be in the moment. You don't want to be thinking about if I do I have my left arm out there, how is my drop making sure I have to give that thing a love tap. You want to go out there, be in the moment, take a deep breath and just execute at the highest level that you potentially can be. So just taking a deep breath before you kick, trusting your mechanics, trusting the, the, the process that, that you've had that, that got you in that moment is, is really important for, for young athletes and athletes in general is just living in the moment, being in the moment, going out there, having fun and just executing at a super high level. And the mental side of, of, of football is just as important of playing the game. As you know, it's, it's, it's the hours in, in the, in the weight room, it's the hours in, uh, well, that's that, that wouldn't be mental, but you know, uh, watching film and, and, and getting your mind right before a game is, is super important. Visualization, something where I tell my guys, you know, when you put your phone down at the end of the night, you, when you're laying in bed, take 10 minutes, take five minutes, visualize the fans, visualize uh, the, the, the 10 guys in front of you, visualize the ball coming back, visualize catching it, getting the ball out. It's, it, that is super important. If you put yourself there before, when you get in there, you're going to be confident and comfortable in the situation. And with everything, it's just fall in love with the process. You know, like, like kicking and punting, there's so many drills that you have to do. You really have to fall in love with it if you want to take your game to the next level. So I hope, I hope that was a, that was a pretty good little PowerPoint and, and answered a lot of the questions that you had. Oh yeah, it, it did coach. And that, and that, like I said, I picked a couple other little things as you kind of went, um, for sure. Kind of, I mean, you mentioned stretching every day. Um, what was your, when you were in college, what was your like weight program for you look like? Cause obviously it's probably a little different than the offensive lineman who's 10 lockers down from you. What, what, what did you, what, cause I mean, you kind of have you, to. You say, you saying I don't look like an offensive lineman? No, that should be a compliment <laughs> coach. That means you don't weigh 270 plus pounds for a division offensive I'll lineman. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but what, what did you, what did your like weight program focus on for you for, to help boost your kicking and body development. Yeah, so so when I first got there, it was, we really did the same exact lifts that we that we did as as a team. And then throughout my time there, we started training lower weights, higher reps, but we wanted to train with speed because with kicking is a very explosive uh, movement. So we want to train fast so that we can be fast on the field. So we might not put three fifteen on our back. We might put 135 for 10, but you're going down there. Maybe it's a, a pause rep. You go, you know, count three, count down here, and then you're exploding back up. So it's super important to train fast because with our movements, whether it's a kickoff, whether it's a punt, whether it's a field goal, it is a very explosive and fast movement. So whether it's in the weight room or on the field, we want to really emulate both of that. So, so training quick uh, is super important and something that we really worked on. When I was in school and, and, and when I was coaching there, it was something that, that we worked on. I, I feel like in, in, in strength and conditioning, it's, it's really not anymore putting as much weight as you can. Obviously, if you're a lineman, you, 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 need, you need that weight. But with, with skill positions, it's, it's training fast. You know, how, do, how, how can I get from point A to point B the fastest I possibly can? And that's something that we did at school. Okay, and then kind of my last question for you is in terms of finding high school punters. Um, Unfortunately, it, it, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know what proper terminology there would be, um, because middle school finds somebody, they find the first kid that kid that can kick decently, and he just punts, and they don't yeah. really, co- and that's not on them. And your middle school staff's usually limited, 
on knowledge of punting, special teams, and the time they have put into it. Special teams is kind of ignored, depending on the program, anyways, on how much time's put in, and that's a whole other conversation and conversation I've had on this yeah. podcast. Um, but when you're, because I'm always looking for what's the best way to find a new punter, and what's that? What's the word I want to use? What's the point of overcoaching a first-time punter and not because so like if if I'm if I'm going to say anybody interested in punt come over the punt come over here yep. one how many kicks should I give them before I either say yay or nay and obviously that might vary a little bit but B and also how much instruction should I go in before I just start letting them kick because I I've been around head coaches and other assistants who okay. Kind of just let them kick, see how they are, just naturally. I have other coaches who are like, here's like punting one on one, gonna go kick. So where's that? Where, what's that line, and what's your recommendation on that? And I know that's a lot that, to throw at you at once. Yeah, no, no, it's actually kind of funny that you bring that up because as a first year special teams coordinator at the varsity level, I'm I'm trying to find out guys that that can kick as well. And I'm, I'm trying to find that line uh, like yourself because it, it was funny when you said, you know, if anyone's interested in, in kicking, you know, come over here. That's what we did, right? Yeah. That, that is exactly what we did. And, and I'm trying to find that line as well. But my, my advice and what I've done is when I, when I bring them over to start punting, I'm not going to give them any information to start. I want to see how they are. I want to see when they, when they punt the ball. Is it you have their head down? Are they are they upset after they punt it, or do they want to get the ball back and punt it again? Because I want to work with someone that, that that wants to put the time and wants to put the effort and wants to get better. So that's something that I've done, and and and, and you have to under and I have to understand that their mechanics are not going to be perfect. It's it's just not going to happen. But if they and what I did is that after a couple punts, I'd say, hey, you know, maybe raise your drop table a little bit, kind of see how they took coaching. But it comes down to the kid. If they want, if they want to work hard, if they want, um, if they want the job, because special teams is, is a is a third of the game. It's super important. If you win special teams, majority of the time you potentially win the game. So if you have a kid that that's into it and excited about it and wants to get better at it, then I'm I'll give them the tools to to drive the car and be successful with it. But what we did at Noble is bring the kids over. Who wants to kick? They, we started kicking, and this was over. Like we, we we didn't have a season, so I wasn't in overdrive with it. Uh, but we 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 brought them over, had them punt. You know, every day I'd, I'd kind of give them a little more something to focus on because I don't want to inundate their brains with everything. Like I just threw everything at you, right? With the steps, the drop, the follow through, a lot of things. I want to give my players one thing to focus on individually. For one kid, it might be your drop. For one kid, it might be your follow through. I want to see how you come back the next day and punt that day. Um, so I think it's, I think it's slowly giving them the tools and kind of seeing how they respond to that. Yeah, and, and it's also funny. Anytime, and I, I, this is one thing I love and I've learned in ten years of coaching is when when you ask who wants to kick or who can kick, how many offensive linemen raise their hand or try to go with oh, yeah. you. It it it, it, it 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 is beautiful. And ninety percent of the time, they can't. None of them can kick. But it is just great. I, and I talked to my buddy, um, Nick Bolliard, uh, who's on the first episode of the Kick and Cover podcast, yep. and kind of what they do at Taze Valley. And he's like, when, when they do like squib and onside drill, they let the linemen kick because it's, it's awesome. pretty much – well, one, it's fun for the linemen. 
So and then For sure. I mean, if you want to get your lineman extra indie or go work on field goal PAT during that, you can. But if you want to break up some of the monotony and have some fun, let yeah. them let them do the squibs and the onsides because, I mean. It, it, it just creates a good, fun atmosphere. That's, why not, right? Yeah, and, why not? And at, the, and at the high school level, you can do that. I mean, because, again, I mean, I'm not going to say jobs aren't on the line, but it's it's by doing that, you're, you're not going to get fired doing that. And it's also creating a, a good culture for your program and for kids wanting to stay out. And you know what? If, if that's what an offensive lineman looks forward to that random Tuesday – to just be able to squib kick for 10 minutes before he has to go do the grunt work down the trenches. Hey, yeah. have fun. I'm a former line, lineman. That's, that stuff's good. So. It's all about building the culture of the program, yeah. right? Like, I love I love having linemen go down and try to catch punts, right? Like, like oh. they love that stuff. So We did that a couple um, times this no, year, I, kind of break up the monotony. It was, uh, I called it called it fat man punt return. So, <laughs> so well, during the summer, when we had some of our summer competition stuff, because we were very limited because of COVID, what we could do compared to prior years. Well, I, I, had, our, I had our DB coach punt balls, and we each team sent out one of the linemen from their groups, their teams, and, yep, best of three. <laughs> they it, love it. Like, it, people, like, like all the, the, it's the fun, camaraderie yeah. of the team just, just brings it together. It's awesome. Yeah, and, and then during some of the COVID outbreak stuff, for those who were still there, we kind of broke that. Like, we weren't going to play that week, so it's like this random Wednesday. It's like, yeah, well, here's five new linemen who hadn't done it before. Go. And just kind of like, yeah. again, it's, it's it's good little culture, fun stuff, get people excited. And um, it's, it's funny how teammates rally around the non-skill kids doing the skill activities. Right. And, right. and then time. when they make the big catch, everyone explodes. Oh, oh it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It is. They almost trampled our little, um, like five foot five, one hundred and sixty pound, uh, third oh, back. Technically, would he been our back? Like technically, been like our our JV starting center, and they almost they almost like bulldozed him in the ground. Like, don't hurt our JV center, please. Don't hurt him. But that was probably a great, great, uh, great memory for oh, yeah. that that kid. It's it's just it, it's good fun stuff, and so I mean. That that your your offensive line offensive line and defensive line coaches usually get really into it because they're kids. So oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's something like you said, like they they've probably never done before. No, you know, like you don't train that, but it's something where you put them in a in a, in a situation that they don't know, and seeing the team kind of gather around them and get excited about it and get the juice flowing in in, in the practices is something that is uh, is pretty cool and it's a a key builder for the culture. Something that you talked about earlier. Well, yeah, and then also. As we're talking, I just got notified of this, and this is not. By the time this comes out, this is not breaking news anymore. But um, all three. You're gonna, you're gonna break some news right now. I love it. Um, all three Denver Broncos quarterbacks can't play this week. They quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, because they were. Wow. I, I'm looking at the ESPN headline now. Are ineligible to play against the Saints on Sunday because they were not wearing a mask around Jeff Driscoll, who tested positive. So my guess is practice squad quarterback or games getting rescheduled. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I hope. I, I personally hope. I think it would be awesome if they bring up someone just like random, just to play quarterback one week. I mean that that's so cool. Yeah. But, but that is unfortunate. That is unfortunate, especially if you're a Denver Broncos. But like you said, not breaking news. It's breaking news for us. Yeah. But not breaking news when this when this comes out. I don't. I don't. I don't know what's worse, that or the. Louisiana Lafayette score that we were talking about before we started. I don't, yeah, I don't that know. I don't 70 know. to 20, it's just like, ouch. I mean, 
So I don't know. losing all three quarterbacks though. That's uh. Well, ten it's NFL. four. It's, it's four because they, Dr- Driscoll's the quarterback that Potts has positive. The other three. So you're oh <laughs> wow! So I wonder if the practice squad quarterback is in that too. I I don't know. Like I I know some like I think the Cowboys or somebody has like um what's his face um McCown. Oh, they have him. Uh, yeah, on stand. I don't know. They have him on standby, like standby, right? A completely different site, just in case that happens, so they can fly him in. He t- takes his COVID yeah. protocols every week. He joins. I think, the, I, joins I think Zoom meetings. Dad, I think it's, you're right. It's Dallas. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not 100 sure, but that's what a crazy idea. 2020 has thrown so much at us, and it's yeah. now. Now you have a quarterback on your payroll that's not practicing with the team. It really has no affiliation with the team except outside of Zoom meetings. Emergency yeah. quarterback. Yeah. And, 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 and good for McCown, too, because that man has been in the league for over 20 years just grinding. And Absolutely. Good for him. Um, what a cool little gig he has, too. He could probably be around his family, hang oh out yeah. with them, and then potentially. Well, well last year, with the, when he was the backup for the Eagles, um, he – and this is going to completely digest off our podcast, but oh well. Yeah, that's all right. Um, he was – if I, my, my memory serves me correct, and somebody will probably correct me if I'm wrong – they would fly him. He he would. He was also like the quarterbacks coach or offense coordinator for high school, too. So he like the Eagles paid private jets to fly him up and back to wherever his family was. So he because he'd already taken that job, and he wanted to fish out. I think his kid was on the team. Maybe I want to say I could be wrong on that part. Um, That's crazy. But yeah, so like he'd be he'd be in all meetings. There's like one practice a week he'd miss. That's it. And I mean. He's got Not 20. a bad gig for him, huh? No. I mean, like you said, the dude's been in the year in the in the in the league for a long time. What do you probably play with over ten teams? Yeah, I, 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 mean, well, I mean, something like twelve or like he played for like a third of the league. It was something weird like that, and good for him. Yeah, um, there's there's uh there's like an NFL video that came out on it with like as a like ten minute long, and then like all of his kids were wearing all of his different jerseys. Like, what a what a what a cool little career that guy had. Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. Cool having. Yeah, I mean, good for him. I mean, right? So, I mean, he'll make a good full time coach when he does retire. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I agree with that. What a, what a cool little story. Yeah. I, and I think that's a good way to end. So, um, again, uh, kind of wrap up here. If you want to get hold of Coach, his contact information will be in the bio, um, his Twitter. So, uh, uh, just follow Coach, reach out to him. Um, he, he's, a, he's a good coach and, uh, uh, he's glad to get back to you. He got back to me fairly quickly. It helps out a connection. Um, Absolutely. But, but uh, again, Coach, we'll get back to you ASAP if you have any more questions about kicking, punting, because um, uh, he can help you kind of wherever. And I know he's always searching for information as well and working on building his knowledge. Um, but, again, that, that's another episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. I thank everybody for listening, and we will be back next week. Thank you.